Hip-hop artists from Winnipeg, Saskatoon, and beyond have banded together to form Saskatoon Folk Rap Records. The label features new and upcoming releases by the likes of The Gumshoe Strut, Epic, and Introducing the Ghost, the fantastic new record from Rob Crooks. You can find Introducing the Ghost as of October 6th on robcrooks.bandcamp.com. Hey folks, this is Monty from the band Loiter here. Just wanted to personally invite you down to the Beer Boutique at 910 Region Avenue in front of the new Best Western Premier Hotel. At Beer Boutique, we specialize in local craft beer and carry a large selection of coolers and ciders. We've also recently expanded our gluten-free options. Next time you're in the area, be sure to stop by and say hi. We love talking local brews and local tunes. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, I'm here again on the uh, magic of the internet, talking to someone who is not in the same room as me uh, due to the pandemic and other reasons. But um, I guess, like, for people who've been listening to the show for a long time, I don't know how many people actually would have still been listening when you were one of the hosts of this podcast. Because it's, it's been a while, I think. Um, probably six years, maybe? Five? Since you were last on the show? As, as a host? Yeah, it seems like a really long time. Yeah, like a unnecessarily long time. Yeah, it's it's uh, it seems like I've been doing this for for too long, just in general. <laughs> That's why that was so long ago. But um, you are Rob Crooks. You are one of the original co-hosts of the show, and I've known you for forever. And we played in bands together, and you are still making music while I stopped and did this. And you have a new record that's coming out that I've been listening to uh, pretty frequently since you sent me the the audio from it. And I don't know, like I think it might be your best, your best album. And I don't know if I've given it enough time for that to be an accurate uh, assumption, but I really like it, and um, I think it's yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what you think. I mean, I, I would hope as an artist, you you think that every new project is your best one, but this is definitely up there for me. And I've I've heard your music for decades now, right? Yeah. Uh, well, that's not. You're not the first person who said that. In fact, almost everyone who. I've played it for who's familiar with what I've done before has said it's my best one. So that's cool. I feel, I feel happy about that. I mean, I think there's always, um, I think there's always a certain level of dissatisfaction with your own work. Yeah. Um, but I am, I am trying to, I, I think I, I am, I mean, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm happy with the response for sure. I mean, getting a response like that, kind of makes it easier for you to just kind of not not stress out all the, the mistakes that only you hear or, or yeah. whatever. Well, when was this actually recorded? Was this like a, a pandemic project basically for you or was it already in the works before this? It was not. It was, it was recorded uh, well before the pandemic, actually. Um, I guess I had recorded it last year and... Um, I, what had happened was I was kind of figuring out how I was going to release it. And, and I played a show in Saskatoon in last November okay. and some people who, um, I am, I've known for a long time, they were planning on, uh, starting up this record, uh, I don't know. It's not really a, like a record label as much as just like a collective mm -hmm. of artists um, called Saskatoon Folk Rap. And so uh, we actually had like our inaugural meeting in Saskatoon in November. And um, so it was kind of decided that I was going to release music um, through that, through that group. And so we decided to go with the, the seven inch, the split seven inch with, um, Roads of Texas, which is MC Homeless and Epic. Yeah. And then my song, Combat Liberalism, with the other uh, Yai and Gruff song. Yeah, yeah. So we spaced it out. So it's been a while since I recorded it, but um, that's kind of the, the, the story why it took so long to come out. Okay. Well, and I've had a few people on, you know, who've been involved with that label. I had Epic on a few months ago, and I had the Gumshoe Strut on about his, his new tape. Um, so what was kind of the uh, appeal for you, I guess, with working with those guys? I mean, I know you said you've, you've known them for a long time. But it seems like uh, everyone who I've heard from who's involved in that 
collective is really sort of on board with the whole uh, DIY aesthetic of it and and the, the collective part of it rather than being a sort of formal record label structure. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of, in some ways, like I don't want to disparage the work that other people sure. have collaborated with in the past. I don't want to, you know, to... Um, yeah, like I, I've had a lot of good opportunities, but it seems like this, there's there's a whole collective of people and we're all, everybody's helping each other and, and we kind of have this um, this ongoing, ongoing group chat that we have where, if, you know, depending on who's got something coming out or who's working on a new release, we all kind of can put our two cents in, give give our opinions or, you know, help, help um, pr- like in the practical side of things. Um, when and where possible, we we can all kind of like pitch money in together, yeah. depending on whose release um, is coming up next. And it's just also, you know, for a bunch of for a bunch of old rap heads who are in their thirties and up yeah. to be like everyone's excited about it. Everyone's excited about the music we're making and excited about putting out like physical copies and not really worried about you know, like not really worried about getting on Spotify or not really worried about playing Canadian music week or any, anything yeah. like that. We're just, we're just excited about making music and like making cool, you know, tapes and CDs and, and vinyl and like whoever listens to it. Cool. You know? Yeah. I like how it's kind of a, a throwback to like, you know, when, when we were all teenagers and everyone, that was kind of the idea, right? You wanted to put out a tape, you wanted to put out a, even a CDR or something and everyone was excited about it because it was, your music just going out in whatever format. And I definitely, yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah. appreciate that, that aspect of it. I mean, again, not to disparage people who are more sort of embedded in the industry way of things, but it's nice to see that kind of punk yeah. rock aesthetic uh, coming through. Yeah. That's one thing I, I think that's, I'm really interested in it too, is that there's not this sense of like, that we need a broad listenership or that we're trying to like reach out to new audiences. We're just yeah. kind of like, we kind of, we're kind of niche we're you know we have history some some of the 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 people in the collective have you know more of a history than others but um i guess we kind of just know who our audience is and we're not trying to go beyond that we're not trying to like break new ground or anything you know we're just trying to make music for the people who are going to like it and and that's the end of it I guess that's probably, um, is that like a weight off your shoulders a little bit too? Not having to worry about that? Not like just realizing that the people who are into this are going to be into it and that's, that's enough or. Yeah. Well, I wish I'd, you know, I think rationally I might've known that in the past, but I think there was always kind of this weird drive to try to get people, um, you know, to get, to get, a, to reach a broader audience, mm-hmm. for, you know, whatever, whatever that means in terms of like, I don't know, getting your music on Spotify or, um, you know, trying to get people who aren't necessarily just rap fans or like indie rap fans to, to listen to it. Um, yeah, I guess there was kind of, not only is there like a little bit of stress behind that, but there's also, you end up neglecting the people who are actually going to be, your fans in the end. Right? Sure. So I guess, yeah, that does take a little bit of pressure off and it just, yeah, it feels, it feels much better to kind of have that more of a narrow focus. Yeah. Do you think that you've always kind of had an idea of who your audience is? Like, you know, throw it all that time. And now it's just sort of, now you're just going to cater to them directly. No, I no? think, <laughs> I think I, I did at some point, but I think when I started becoming more experimental, like putting out hearts and then, yeah. uh, and then nothing from which nothing comes like that kind of run of music there. I did. I didn't know. I didn't know who my audience was um, because especially with the last one that I put out on disintegration, like that was probably the least, maybe the least rap rapish album I've put out. And I like it. I'm proud of it. Yeah. But, it's a good, it's a good album for sure. But it was hard to know who the audience was for it, you know, cause it wasn't really most rap fans weren't going to like it. And, but also at the same time, people who were into post-punk or what other, 
what a, what a, what other kind of vibes were on there. Like that wasn't really the audience either because it was still coming from, it was still in a lot of ways, like kind of entrenched in hip hop culture, like in the sense that like, you know, it was still sampled based. There was right. still like some rapping on it. And so it wasn't really for, in a weird way, it wasn't really for anybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that got a good reaction and too, so, though, right? Like, I mean, that that album was well received, uh, as far as I remember, anyway. I don't know. I don't know if anybody heard it. I don't. <laughs> All I, right, <laughs> I liked it, so I assume <laughs> that, that meant it was well received. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think people who people who did listen, like I did, get some good feedback, but not very much sure. feedback. Okay. Well, no one told me that they thought it sucked, but I mean, you'd have why? Why would you bother telling why, someone their album sucks? Yeah. Well, that's what the internet's for, isn't it? <laughs> Tell people their album sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, know. that's that's actually funny because I put that video out. Uh, I put a video out, and it was uh, the the one that was directed by Mike Marinek. It's yeah. a really great video. Yeah. But I think there's like three comments, and one of them is "This sucks." <laughs> that's kind of it's the internet. <laughs> that's what it's for. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is because someone, the fact that someone went through the effort to do that too, right? Like, I mean, you know, they went and found your video, which is not probably not that easy to find in the scheme of things. And then they watched enough of it to, to make that opinion that it sucked and then decided <laughs> to comment on it. Yeah, it's so, funny. I think that, you know, I told you this, I think, earlier, but um, I think the reason I like this new one so much is because it, it continues in the thread of the, of the direction you were going with that kind of more experimental post-punk stuff. But then there's some some very, you know, explicitly rap parts on the record. Like, it marries the two of them, I think, in a way that has worked better. I mean, I don't know if you agree, but then some of your previous records, like, it's it seems like they, they, they mesh well now rather than sounding like, you know, maybe in some cases before it would have been, oh, here's the one thing where he's singing and then here's the rap part. But this, I think, like it's more cohesive. If that, uh... yeah, I, th- I think I think so for sure. Like I think with um, especially the last record, uh, the one on Disintegration Records, sometimes it almost felt like the rap parts would be forced. Yeah. Um, where yeah, they didn't necessarily seem to be organic, organic parts of the song, and I think because of that, even the rapping um, in terms of like the lyrics kind of suffered for it okay. to a degree, just cause I, I think I was trying to blend things, but then I would come up with these very kind of post punky type songs and then be like, Oh, it'd be cool if, you know, there was a, a, the second verse was a rap verse or just, I wanted to, I wanted to keep rapping, but it didn't necessarily fit the aesthetic of the song. So, yeah, it, I think it came off kind of contrived at, at some points. Well, I don't know if it came off contrived, like as a listener anyway, but it came off as, as kind of like, broken's not the right word, but separate. Like like they were, they were two separate things you were, you were trying maybe to, to, to fit together rather than them just flowing seamlessly. And I think that this one... I'm not sure what you did differently, but it, they they do flow seamlessly and they like thematically and sonically and everything. It, it all seems to sort of uh, it feels like part of a whole rather than oh here's Rob rapping, here's Rob singing, here's you know the, the post punky stuff and it, it whatever you've done it, you've made it connect better. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I I feel that too. Yeah, is there something like you know that you've consciously done, or is it just come out that way, like to make those fit fit together better? Hmm. I don't know. I don't think so. I think uh, it, no. I don't think it, I don't know if I did something consciously to make them fit better. Like certainly on this album, there are songs that are just rap. Yeah. Which I didn't have that on the last record. I think like I think I did consciously make an effort to go back to rapping on this album and make it more of more part of the album as a whole so maybe it wasn't an afterthought as much on this one okay so maybe that's why it, it works better
Well, I think it, the rap parts too, like or, or the songs that are just rap, like you said, they fit with the overall um, vibe of it. Because I, I kind of want to talk about that too. Because I mean, first of all, the title of the record. What's the title of the record? Introducing the ghost. And it has a very spooky vibe. I don't mean that in the cartoonish, like here's a tape of Halloween sound effects, spooky. But it's 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 got this haunting thing to it, <laughs> and, and I think that um, like the rapping and then the level of aggression is not the right word, but the delivery of the rap parts fits really well with that whole kind of haunted, dark sort of vibe of what you're putting out there. And I think that on the other hand as well, your singing vocals work really well with that too, because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're singing. I've, I've always found that it works best when it's kind of whispery and you're not like belting anything out, right? You're just kind of doing this sort of almost under the, under the music, um, vocals right and i think that that works mm-hmm. well with the cool overall kind of uh heebie-jeebies vibe <laughs> got from the record yeah yeah i definitely think you're right about my singing voice like it's definitely sounds better when i'm more laid back and not uh not straining myself yeah. and i think that was that was a lot to do with just the conditions under which it was recorded because the last record was recorded in a studio like a, like a legit studio. And so there was like time constraints. There was, um, you know, like with this album, I recorded it myself. So it was just, it was just much easier to take my time with it and to, you know, I had much more control over it. So I could, you know, I could turn up the backing track in my headphones or I, I could spend time with it and know what, know what I needed to perform it the way I wanted it to be, okay. which is, which is like a big deal, I think, when um, 
recording your album i think even though i'll probably never get this the sonically like the sound quality that i got from the last record because that was mixed and produced by someone who's you know award-winning yeah um like cam lepke who's like amazing yeah um and so that album in that sense sounds really good and probably like i said better than any record i'll probably ever put out again but there's something to be said for doing it at home and you know taking as many takes as you want and really making sure uh you get it to sound the way you want yeah do you think that that home like diy home aesthetic kind of suits your style better too i think it does once i've accepted it okay okay i think when I try to do it at home and do it myself, but compare it to um, like professionally professional sounding records, then it just becomes frustrating and it just like sounds like shit. But once you accept, um, once you accept that it's got that DIY sound, then it's much more easier to uh, accept. And I, and I think I had to remind myself of my favorite records and how my favorite records have never been the most polished sounding ones. Yeah. And like, yeah, like, and yeah. So I just, I've just had to remind myself of that a lot and just try to go for a vibe with the sound rather than trying to get this really clear, um, you know, uh, full sound that you might get from a professional studio. Well, and a lot of the samples on this one too, they have, you hear the record crackles and things like that, that they kind of rawness to it. Yeah. So that's, that's actually interesting because that's something I did do on purpose. And that was something that happened uh, during the process okay. of making the album because um, originally the way I had it was that I had filtered out a lot of the crackle. And then at, at, at one point I actually was so, um, so much against the crackle that I went and sampled the digital versions of the songs oh, really? to avoid the crackle. And then at some point, thank God I had this like revelation, like what the hell am I doing? Like I just accepted what my art form actually is and I embraced it. And part of that was because I was reading Mark Fisher um, and reading Mark Fisher about ontology Okay. And he has this he has this essay called The Metaphysics of Crackle. And he talks about um uh like the importance of crackle and he talks about he talks about the crackle as the sort of like the material like manifestation of of time on on the song itself. Okay. And and like it, it interested it made me interested in, in in other ways too like in the sense that there's something about how everybody like you know 10 people or i guess more than 10 like thousands of people could have the same record but no one's going to have the same record crackle sure that, in a sense that record crackle is what makes your record unique and it kind of reminds me of how um you know not to get too into this stuff, but in, in capitalism, one of the things, like one of the hallmarks of capitalism is that it just creates these commodities that are all exactly the same. And it, it erases um, what makes commodities unique insofar as it er- erases the production process okay. of what created those commodities. So like, when you you know when you go to the supermarket or to the mall or whatever and you see product on the shelf you don't know where it was produced you don't know where it was created all you know is like the the price of it and and you know in in terms of just the price it's kind of the same as every other commodity because it can be redu- reduced to um, a price but somehow like having that record crackle on the record kind of um, recaptures that uniqueness and that individuality yeah. of of the music and, and the the samples. So I thought that was really interesting. Less maybe less so theoretical, I was also just listening to a lot of um hip hop. 
Okay. <laughs> and I just like I love I love the I love the crackle and yeah. I, um um sorry I'm blanking on the guy's name because I'm so so tired. Kenny Siegel okay. is this producer who um I got really into. I was listening to a bunch of his albums. Like he's produced for uh uh Milo. Um he's produced for like Arm and Hammer, he's produced for Billy Woods, uh a bunch of different people, but okay. Oh, he just, you know, he just, he just, he just produced a new, well, it's not new anymore because he's released a new one since, but uh, Serengeti, the Serengeti album, Ajay, which is like, for sure, top three album of this year for me so far. Um, But I just love that there's, there's, you know, he's not hiding that it's a sample. It's like, you can hear the, the, the record crackle and, and, and that's, and because you can hear the record crackle, you can kind of hear how it's made, right? Yeah, yeah. you're showing you're showing that those like those imperfections and those like cracks that make your product a unique thing that was made by an actual human in in actual material conditions and all this yeah. stuff. Well, I like the idea of that that the sample is from your copy of the record rather than just the song in general. Like it, it's it, it is a, a cool way to to think about it because I guess now it's so yeah. easy for people to just use the digital everything, right? I mean that that whole concept of sampling yeah. off actual records obviously it still happens, but I imagine that a lot of people are just get, scrapping it completely because it's so much quicker and easier to just get a huge library of music and just clip on the part you want and do that. Yeah. Well, and especially because uh, the younger generations that just never grew up with a turntable. Sure. Like I, like we grew we grew up with record players in the house with you know record collections. Yes. Yeah. Um, but certainly, you know, like I work with kids making beats, like youth making beats and stuff, and like sampling vinyl to them is just like such an alien idea. But um, sampling YouTube is is something that happens quite a bit. In fact, yeah. there's this there's this one one young guy that I, I I worked with, and he was he showed me some of his beats on SoundCloud, and there was this record crackle at the beginning, and then like at a, at a out of all his beats, there's always this record crackle at the beginning and throughout the song too. And I was like, Oh, Oh, you sample vinyl. He's like, yeah, I sample vinyl. And then he, and then like after a pause, he's like, I, I sample vinyl rips off YouTube. <laughs> so like people, people yeah. are ripping vinyl to, to YouTube. And then, you know, some kids are sampling it to get that lo-fi feel. And it's, I mean, I think at, at one point, maybe like 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh, that's whack. But it's like, I, you know, I get it. And like, I, records are so expensive now, too. Expensive, like, yeah. Yeah. Every, t- every time I go to buy records with the intent of sampling them, it's like I buy three records for $50. I and it like, I'm like, I better get some beats out of that because it's like, I just spent that much money on it. Whereas in back of the day, you just go to the baller, dollar bin, right? You buy like, it's whatever. You buy, yeah, for, for fifty dollars, you get so many records, yeah. and you bound to find at least a few things on those records that that you could use, like for sure, right? And also, and also just discover new music. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the first time I ever heard Can was I found uh, a. There's this guy in Elmwood who would open his base or open his garage door open up on the weekends, and he would just his whole garage was just full of records. Cool. And I bought this can record for like five dollars. I yeah. had no idea who they were, but I took it home and I was like blown away. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's it, it's different. It's it's totally a different way of. of uh, I kind of like the idea though. I mean, uh, of I, I prefer actually hearing vinyl sampled directly. I think, but uh, it hadn't occurred to me that people would do that. They find one of those YouTube videos with the guys playing the record and then sample that. Cause I guess you still get that sound, but it's someone else's sound, someone else's unique record sound that now is becoming, I don't know. It's, it's too many layers. <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if you get the warmth though, right? Probably like, not. No, you get, yeah. Cause it's digitized. Right? Yeah. And it's on YouTube. So it's not even like a high quality digital file. It's probably it's a like phone a camera. Shitty... Yeah. A phone camera. And then YouTube, did, <laughs> you know, compresses it even more. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's weird.
precious with what little strength that there was left inside the gut. I told the doctor that I suffered from unwanted suicidal thoughts. It was difficult, I'm still cynical, but I had to do something for once. Sick of hurting every person, never showed me anything but love.
what was it? What you said earlier though about kind of um, like accepting, not accepting, but like kind of owning up to this is where you're getting your samples from. This is your record collection. I noticed that, uh, especially with um, Combat Liberalism, which I was listening to on the seven inch for a while before you know you sent me the files of the the actual album, and it was driving me crazy that I couldn't. There was an obvious sample in it. And I couldn't think of what it was. And then when it finally dawned on me, it was like, and that hasn't happened to me in a while. I don't think with a lot of music because I feel like a lot of people aren't doing that sort of directly sampling something that is identifiable. It seems like a lot of people are trying to make it, trying to hide that stuff and make it into something that's that's not recognizable. And that uh, I'm not going to say what the sample is. I'd rather have other people figure it out. But when it finally occurred to me, and it was I felt like an idiot for not getting it right away. It it was cool, you know. It was like I, that hasn't happened to me in, in years. I think that I, I picked out something that obvious and i like how you use that yeah you gotta be careful these days because sure. um so much of it is about algorithms too right um so I, I worry about that to a certain extent like if you sample something that's too obvious maybe like soundcloud or bandcamp or spotify will flag it and like take it down you know right right which is not usually a problem because like you said, like I usually, I usually, uh, I usually chop up the samples pretty good and like manipulate them and make them yeah. sound pr- pretty different than what they originally started out as. Um, but sometimes you just hear something and you want to use it. And so I do get kind of worried about what that will mean for the future. I mean, not too worried about it because there's always ways to be creative and get around it. But um, in terms of that sample though, that you're referring to, I was, yeah, I was kind of, I might do this more of this. I don't know. I've been thinking about it, but I was kind of interested in this idea of trying to sample more stuff like that, where Mm -hmm. it's familiar, but you can't put your finger on it. Yeah, because there's a line, get... a line from the middle of the first verse, right? And it was like, I, I knew it. It was in my, like, I was, but I couldn't think past that one line to figure out what it was. Which yeah. was cool, yeah. yeah. Well, I like, to get, I like the idea of, like, playing with that nostalgia factor and getting these kind of, like, songs that everybody knows, but uh, trying to use them in a way that's not immediately obvious or uh, in a way that is not, you know, like, immediately identifiable. Yeah, to create to create this sort of uncanniness where you're like, I know, I know this, but what is it? Like, yeah, it, uh, you know, it's inspired by stuff like I don't know if you, there was like a YouTube channel like a couple years ago where somebody was recording all these like rate like FM radio songs, and they were like putting tons of reverb on them, and then. Um, like posting them on YouTube with pictures of malls. Okay. So it, it was it was kind of like recreating that feeling of hearing a song in the mall, just like in the background, and sort like, of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was like it was just like, and I had read the, someone had wrote like a, a think piece about it and about how it was trying to like recapture this like tactileness of sound because like we the you the way we usually consume music now is like only through like headphones and earbuds and stuff and so because everyone's kind of wearing earbuds everywhere they go we're not as used to like hearing music out in public sure yeah, yeah. so it's it, it's it's kind of this those videos were kind of like this nostalgia for this past um so i just i've just found that really interesting and was kind of thinking of ways where i could tr- try to do that too and i thought maybe like sampling kind of obvious songs but in unobvious ways yeah would be really cool well that that mall thing is kind of like a, a nostalgia for hearing songs you don't necessarily want to hear but, but get forced on you and that everyone knows because like i don't know if that exists anymore like if there's that kind of ubiquity of certain songs because yeah everyone would hear them everywhere you'd hear them in the car you'd hear them in the mall you'd hear them like there was like you know a handful of radio stations playing the same stuff over and over again and now everyone's radio station is their own spotify and it's like you can't those kind of songs everyone knows they're there i guess but i mean i read all kinds of stuff on websites and music magazines and stuff about artists that i've heard of and i could probably name a couple of their songs but i have no idea what they sound like and these are people who've sold like millions of records and it's like you know 
20 years ago, I would have known the song, even if I hated it. Yeah. Maybe that's just because we're getting old, too, though. Oh, probably. I went to, I went to, uh, I went to Shoppers, not Shoppers, Drug Mart, whatever, Canadian Tire, some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And I was walking around for a while, and at some point, I just realized I like I had no idea of any of the songs that were playing. Yeah, I just felt like an I felt like an alien or something. Yeah, like landed on a different planet. Uh, yeah, I know, I know the feeling for sure. Well, I, I feel the same way because my, my I mean my oldest kid is in middle school this year, which is the same. You know, we started a band our first band in junior high, and that kind of you know set us off in some way on these directions we're in now, right? And so the stuff that she listens to, I don't. I don't even know. Like, I have no frame of reference for who any of these artists are. It's like stuff she finds on, on YouTube videos about other things and it's the background music and then she looks up the artist and I haven't heard of a single one of them and like it's it's very alien to me and it just may, I, it reminds me of when we had a band when we were 12 years old and it's like the stuff we were listening to at the time seemed so oh, everyone knows these songs. You know, we were listening to what was popular but I don't think there is a what's popular anymore. I think it's you know what the kids are into that dictates what they listen to whether it's you know if they're into video games there's music that's related to that or music about that that comes through that wouldn't have happened when we were kids you weren't about to listen to the mario brothers soundtrack uh, you know on your walkman like in 95 Mm -hmm. but i mean i think that now that's not unusual for that kind of thing to happen so it's it's yeah i don't know where i'm going with this but yeah it's it's I know what you mean. I know what you mean, though. It's like it's so much more uh, decentralized or diffused in some way. Um, it's got to be a good thing, though, yeah. right? I mean, the, the fact that everyone is getting exposed to so much weird stuff—that not weird in in terms of how it's written or how it sounds, but just like from so many different areas, rather than just because when we started out, it was, was on the radio until we discovered our own tastes and, and went record shopping and, and found what we were into. Right. But now that's the default almost like finding what you're into. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know enough about it to say whether it's good or bad, but an, another consideration um, is, is the, what this has done to like local music scenes where there, there was a point, you know, where like there would be regional scenes and like regional hits totally yeah so like the hits in in southern states wouldn't be the same as the hits in western canada and um that's a race i I don't know i think it's gone now it's a race yeah like i don't like i don't know are these are there these regional sounds that develop because it seems like so much of like music communities also happen online as well yeah yeah but that's I mean, it's a really good question, actually. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a bad thing or not because there's still scenes; they're just not necessarily uh, like regional. Right. That the guy in 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 Buffalo is going to hear the same stuff that a kid in Winnipeg is going to hear because they're they're on the same websites or on the same blogs or whatever. Exactly. So it might yeah, it might evolve and then, and parallel, the, yeah. and they can. And they can collaborate now because they can send files back and forth, right? Right. So, right, and then get a third guy in England or something, and then, then that yeah yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what does that mean for? I mean, okay, going back to the label, the Saskatoon folk rap. I mean, that's even in the title of the thing. It's it's definitely situating itself with a regional sound. And I mean, you know, there's a lot of people involved in the collective, but from the few that I that I'm familiar with, you know, yourself and and BJ and Epic and that, that kind of stuff. I mean, it sounds like prairie rap to me. And I don't know if that's just because I have listened to that stuff for such a long time and I know some of you guys and I associate it with that. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like you're all doing different things, but there's something regionally, there's like a locator somewhere in the music that, that, that pins it to this part of the country. Yeah. And I think that's intentional to a certain degree. And I think we want to relish in that and to perpetuate that. But we've we were also like, you know, we have people um, from the states who are involved. We have people from Toronto, from Vancouver. We have um, a couple people from overseas who are involved as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we all have the um, what we have in common is that we all are very influenced by Canadian rap and like Canadian prairie rap to be specific. So we have that in common and I think we're trying to preserve that. But at the same time, we're, we're, you know, in some sense, 
uh, multinational. Sure. Well, I often wonder too if, like, my conception of what is a regional sound is just biased by the fact that I live here and I've spent pretty much my entire life in this part of the country and part of the world. And maybe, you know, because the reason this, that this came up recently is I was interviewing a guy who plays for the Bombers, um, who is also a musician. And he, uh, like, he's playing music while their, their season is not happening. He's trying to pursue that career. And he's from California, and he described, he's living in Winnipeg all year round right now, but he described this region as the Midwest, which... I always think of the Midwest as describing a part of the U.S., and I've never really considered Canada or even our our part of the country to be part of that larger thing. And this is a guy from, you know, another part of that country who's now seeing it as part of, like, a collective um, grouping of, of, of states and provinces that, that it never even occurred to me that someone would connect us with, you know, that part of the U.S. And, and maybe there is a connection to it. It just was uh, being stuck in Manitoba. I've never really thought really beyond you know maybe over to Saskatchewan or over to Ontario or something but never really comparing us to what's below if that makes sense yeah I mean like it, it'd be hard to say like that there's I mean just t- thinking in terms of rap music specifically it'd be yeah. hard to say that there's like a connection between the rap happening in Winnipeg or the hap- the rap like the history of rap in Winnipeg and like the sound of like St. Louis. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely but, drastically different. Yeah. But there could be some connections between like, you know, Minneapolis to a certain degree. And, and like, I think in terms of other genres, maybe it makes more sense. Cause yeah, I don't know if, I don't, I don't know how, like how true this is, but don't, don't some people call it Winnipeg, the Nashville of the North. Yeah. I've heard that as far as like the country and roots stuff. But yeah, is Nashville Midwest? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Like, I can't. I can't figure it out. There's too many hockey teams now. That I used to know it when there was like 21 teams. I knew what everyone was regionally, and now it's just yeah. That's 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 my my frame of reference for the states is what what teams they have, which is probably yeah, yeah. bad that I'm like you know almost 40 years old at this point and then I don't know uh, <laughs> the yeah. I don't know where where Nashville is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know where it is, kind of, but yeah, yeah. It's in Tennessee, right? Yeah. <laughs> I I drove to Kansas City a couple which one years ago. Isn't there two Kansases? Kansas cities? Yeah, I think they're I think they're the same city. They're just okay. they're okay. just on they they just like straddle the state line between Kansas Missouri, Missouri and okay. Kansas. Okay. But I think it's the same city. I was never sure. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Go on with your story about Kansas City, though. Uh, I mean, driving down there. You can see some similarities to Winnipeg. Um, I mean, it's it's still like this, like the states, right? It's yeah. still like kind of a little bit more intense. <laughs> yeah, everything's a little more intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you can still kind of see some like you know similarities, I guess. Yeah. Between those some of those weird fucking cities. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what Winnipeg is, though, right? I mean, to probably everyone who's not from here. We're just one of those weird cities, too. Yeah, I, th- I think exactly. I think, yeah, so I don't know. We're we're weird. There is tragedy. There is essence of the tragic only on the condition of this originality and properly spectral interiority of the crime.
But um, yeah. <laughs> so with the with, with the record, when's it actually coming out, and what are the, what formats it will be available in and all that? Uh, it's coming out October sixth, and it's coming out um, digital via Bandcamp. Um, it's coming out on cassette, on CD, and ten-inch vinyl. Oh right, yeah, ten-inch, which is really strange. Although I actually just bought a ten-inch um, from another local guy too, like uh, yesterday. So um, ten-inch is a thing. I, I have very few of them. It seems like I have a ton of like twelve-inch LPs and then a bunch of forty-fives, and then ten inches. I have like three of them. But uh, yeah, it's it's a, I have a few ten-inches. It's like an under underappreciated format, I think. Eh? Yeah, I like it because it's um, it's like perfect. It was the perfect size to fit my album on, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's cool. It's a little bit more than just like a single, but it's not like a full LP. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's, yeah, it's different anyway. Uh, what I mean, obviously, the pandemic's happening right now. Like, you know, no one's playing any shows or anything uh, for the foreseeable future, especially now that uh, Manitoba's gotten considerably worse. <laughs> with our daily our daily uh count here um but what is sort of the plan uh behind this album are you are you hoping that you can play a bunch of shows or tour or anything behind it or are you happy just kind of releasing it and and kind of seeing what happens yeah i want to play shows i uh i, I plans to tour when um things are I mean, if, if things go back to, rel- to relatively to normal, I don't know if yeah, they will or not. Who the hell knows? But I actually had a, a flight booked to Europe to play some shows oh, right cool. as COVID hit. And then, um, so I they gave you the option of either canceling and getting a refund or postponing your trip. Okay. And I decided to postpone because I still had planned to go there and play those shows. I mean, I hope because they only give you a two two year window. So who who knows what's going to happen? Like maybe yeah. you still won't be able to travel in two years, and I'll just have lost that money, which would suck. But it would suck, yeah. But you, yeah, I'm hoping to I'm hoping to get out to Europe, play some shows, into the states too, which I've never really done. But like this this collective is kind of opening up a lot of those options for me. Yeah. Uh, this is something I've asked a few people, and I, I don't know. I think it's just more like I'm hoping this is a real thing that happens. But do you think that this the effects of this pandemic and the way that you know music is being forced to change where you can't have you can't have shows or you have to have shows like you know weird uh socially distanced 10 people whatever thing do you think it's going to have a lasting impact and maybe potentially uh, i don't know what the word is for it but um like shift things around in terms of in terms of who in terms of independent artists and diy artists and their ability to to kind of get a leg up because right now everyone's at an even strength obviously you know big mainstream million selling artists are still getting that those listeners on spotify and all that stuff but they can't play shows either they can't sell merch they can't do any of that stuff do you think that this will affect things in any way long term or will it just go back to the same old situation once things die down i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i Well, I, I'm not an expert or anything. No, I know, um, but yeah, neither am I. It's... I, I, I would just, I would assume that things w- won't go back to quote unquote normal or how they were, and if they do, it'll it'll take a long time. Yeah, I also think that there's a lot of probably a lot of uh, um, like the larger acts and even some of the like more mid-sized acts who may be even more desperate will probably still have to push to play shows to as many people as they can, as soon as they can, because um, if it's their livelihood, they're not going to, you know, from what I understand, you don't, you can't make money or you can't make a living off of Spotify plays. Right. No, you get like 35 cents a year or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So I, I think that people will probably be pushing to play shows again. Um, but I think you're right that, it has opened up um, some cool possibilities. I, I personally want to get back to playing shows um, because I don't really like playing these virtual shows as much. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool, but it, I think it gets old and it's not it's not the same. Um, but I'm I'm definitely okay with with playing much smaller venues and much smaller crowds. Um, 
you know, at the same time, I'm also kind of relieved that I don't have to organize a album release party right now because that's been stressful in the past. So I'm yeah. just, that's that's kind of that's kind of a little bit of a relief right now. This is kind of a funny thing to think about. Like, I mean, because <laughs> I've had bands on here and they're like, oh man, we can't play our, our CD release party. This is a bummer. <laughs> and then you're like, hey, I don't have to do one. Well, I mean, like, no, I, think, I think, I think, I think my, I think my whole like perspective has changed on things in, in the sense that if I had thrown an album release party, it would have just been really uh, chill and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have stressed out about it so much anyways, but certainly in the past when I've, I've thrown shows, whether they're for myself or whether they're for other people, it's, it's stressful because like, you know, I mean, usually like worried no one's going to come. So I'm getting like, I'm paying for like 300 posters and I'm going out every other night for two hours, putting yeah. up posters, not, not even knowing if posters are effective anymore. And then like, you're trying to tell people you're trying to like promote it on Facebook and you're trying to like do that balance between like letting people know it's happening, but not being annoying. And, uh, it's just, a, and then like the day comes and you're just like, you get to the venue and you got to make sure all the artists are there. You got to make sure like the sound check goes right. You got to make sure. And then if you're playing that show, you got to like rehearse and yeah. do all this stuff. So it's just so, you're just so busy leading up to it. And then like, that like waiting period between like nine o'clock and then 11 o'clock when like people start to come in, you're like, Oh my God, like what if no one comes and I just lost a bunch of money and it's just like, it's fucking stressful. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm glad that I didn't have to deal with that right now. Yeah. But again, but, but like I said, if I had thrown, you know, if, if it wasn't COVID and I was going to do a release party, it would probably be much smaller and I probably wouldn't, you know, do 300 posters or maybe any posters and I would be more laid back with it, I think, but just experiences in the past have been really stressful. What is your, um, kind of hope with this, with this record? Cause you're releasing it at a time where, you know, like we just talked about, things are super weird. No one's going to shows. I don't even know if people go to record stores at this point. Like it's, what is sort of your, your hope that will happen with this? Like, are you kind of okay with people, mostly obtaining this digitally, even though you're going through the effort of putting in, putting out cassettes and putting out vinyl, which is awesome. But like, do you think it's going to be more just the digital downloads because of the situation or people are still going to order stuff? I hope they do. I think people will order stuff. Like I'm pretty much sold out of the seven inches mm-hmm. we put out. Um, I'm hoping that I'll sell out of um, all the physical copies. Cause I mean, I'm not doing huge numbers of them. Right. 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 So it it's, it's totally plausible that I, that I do sell out and I hope I do. And if I don't sell out of them before the pandemic ends, then hopefully there will be a time where we can play shows and I'll sell out of them at that time. Um, and if people just buy digital, I'm okay with that too. I, I didn't put, I didn't bother putting the record up on like Spotify or anything like that because um, I mean, Maybe it's a mistake, but I, I just don't really give a shit about Spotify. And, like, I don't know how much benefit I'm going to get from it, you know? Like, yeah. maybe in the future, like, maybe after it's been out, maybe after I've sold a good amount of the physical copies, I'll put it up on Spotify. I still don't really understand um, how Spotify even works, to be honest. <laughs> it's not that complicated. No, I know, I know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm sure it would be super easy to figure out. I just uh, you yeah, mean like yeah. in terms in terms of like a listener? Yeah, I've or never term- anything. <laughs> I know it exists. I just uh, yeah, I can't I can't be bothered to, 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 <laughs> to spend the like five minutes it would take to learn how to use it. I don't yeah, know. it's not complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm trying to be like as stubborn as I can about that. <laughs> I don't. I don't want. I, I feel like I'm gonna like it. I feel like if I get into the streaming thing. The idea that all this music is accessible like immediately and and at the click of a button, I'm gonna actually enjoy that, and then I'm gonna all this time and effort I've spent like and money uh, building up this record collection is gonna now be just like, well, what do I do with this? So I'm <laughs> I'm avoiding it for that reason. Yeah, I, th- I I think I mean there's something we didn't talk about too with making physical copies where there's I think an attempt to make things more like a. Uh, like to make them less disposable, you yeah, know, yeah. um, because 
yeah, like if I had Spotify too, like I feel like I would just I would just listen to it, like every album once, you know? Yeah. Which would be cool, but at the same time, like I I still really like to get in, like to buy an album and then like listen to it a bunch and really try to like you know explore every nook and cranny of it if it's if it's good. Yeah, but we have we have um like my wife and kids use Spotify, so we have it in the house and we have one of those Google Home things you talk to and you tell it what to play, and so every mm-hmm. once in a while I will use that thing and I always just tell it to play Bad Brains. <laughs> like that's, that's that's like literally all I've listened to using Spotify is stuff I already have, and so I'm not I'm not I'm not <laughs> I think I'm doing it wrong. I'm not reaching out and trying to get exposed to new shit. I'm just like yeah, play play rock for light again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> let's um just just before we wrap this up, you want to just remind everyone where they can hear your stuff um right now and where they're going to be able to get the record once it comes out October sixth. Yeah, uh, it's robcrooks.bandcamp.com um i don't imagine there there will be too many of this but if you're in america and you want to order physical copies go to audiorecon.bandcamp.com okay and there's actually also a label out of germany that's going to be doing some cassettes in german that's really cool yeah yeah like if you Cassettes in German, how? Like, you're not singing in German, are you? Yeah, I did the whole album in German. Are you serious? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> it's just going to, like... I don't gonna, know. Like, write a... like, Monty Python did <laughs> hey, that. They did a whole series in German by just phonetically learning the... Right? Like, it's it's possible. I don't know. Didn't the Beatles do that? <laughs> Who gives a shit? Yeah, I, uh... <laughs> no, that, that would be cool to do. I just like the idea that you immediately thought that is something I did. Well, I don't know. But I mean, that would be cool. I feel like I would do it if someone gave me the option. If I had a record and someone said, can you re-record this in German? And if I had the time and the, the technology, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Just like write out what it sounds like I'm supposed to say. <laughs> I'll redo it. I can just redo this podcast in German. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. That would be cool, I guess. Um, but no. It will it will be the same music, <laughs> but English. there will be some g- German writing on the uh, <laughs> right, right. on the cover, which is kind of a cool thing to have. I guess are you going to at least get a copy of the German release, like for your own uh, interest? Maybe if I go to Germany, I right. probably I don't know if I'll because like the 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 idea, of course, is that shipping costs so much, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's good to have someone in other countries willing to do it, so that you don't have to pay $20 to ship a tape to Germany. Yeah. The past carries a secret in that by which it is referred to its resurrection. Transfiguration. Redemption. Is there not an echo of those who have been silenced in the voices to which we lend our ears today? There is a secret protocol or appointment between the generations of the past and that of our
Sidewalk.